Hello friends and welcome to your Monday edition of the Kings of Anglia podcast. It's a very happy Monday too. Carlsberg don't do weeks in football, but if they did, it might look a little bit like last week. A 6-0 win, an exciting deadline day, a couple of signings, and then town go to Accrington, a place where traditionally they struggle and they come home with a 2-0 win. What a week. Carlsberg, by the way, is a dreadful beer. I'm your host, Mark Heath. With me today, two of my favourite kings, Stuart Watson and Ross Halls. And as soon as I said that to you about Carlsberg, you started nodding. Awful, isn't it? Yeah, um, marginally better than Carling. At, just about. What? Um, now I'm asking Stuart, what's, what's the best beer? Ross asked me this at the weekend, actually. Um, I'm like you, can't go wrong with a Peroni. Can't wait um, a Peroni. Beer Amaretti. Nice. Solid Italian choices. I'm a big fan of Estrella at the moment. Yeah. Um, Roscoe, what are you saying on lagers or beers in general? Yeah, Carlsberg, Carling, they can get in Foster's, that can get in the bin. Um, but yeah, San Miguel, Estrella, big fan of mm. Estrella. And of course, the new Madri trend is hitting everywhere. Um, I, like, I do like that bit. I think I'm saying it right, Madri, is it? Yeah, is that good? I've not had that yet. Yeah, it's, it's decent. It's not, you know, it's... I think it's easy. It's just an easy drink just to, boom, down down the neck. That's what Next point, I please. I can't jump onto the uh, the real ale yet. That would be accepting that I'm an old man and inevitably close to death once I start drinking real ale. It's foul as well. Anyway, what wasn't foul, boys, was Town's trip to Accrington at the weekend. And before we get on to the game, boys, it was your first long road trip of the season. So inevitably, there must be some stories from the road, the japes you boys have got up to. Roscoe, I assume you used the five hours in the car to gen up to revise on your, uh, your your driving theory test, which you've still yet to pass. You've now spaffed 200 quid up a wall. Um, what what was it like, boys? Were there any tales from the road? Obviously, I assume, Ross, you're sitting in the back watching other boys drive and picking up little bits because you inevitably want to pass and get that grand, that free money that's waiting for you once you pass this test. Is that how it works? Or do you just put your earphones in and, and act like a grumpy teenager in the back? A mixture of both. We did do a theory test, didn't we, Stu? Um, Andy had my phone and he was going through the questions and we all got involved and we passed. We actually passed. So does that count? Do I? No. No. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Nonsense. It. When is your no, next it. failure, by the way? When is your next failure? Just so we can. I have, I have, I'm going to book it this today at some point and then hopefully there's three slots this week or next week and then. Uh... <laughs> Stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. Stay tuned. Yeah, that is now over two hundred pounds you spent just on failing yeah. theory tests, Rossi. Which, um, in this in this credit crunch the crisis, <laughs> it's not the best use of funds, is it? Nope. Stewie, um, I see. Obviously, the boys on the road. I assume it was a large one in Accrington on Friday night, was it? Mm-hmm. No, very boring. We got up there about I don't know about seven o'clock. Had a bit of dinner, and um, that was it. We all went. We all went to bed. It'd been a, it'd been a long week. A couple of late nights. Um, Andy's tradition, as he told us, is to watch Naked Attraction. Anytime we, anytime we stay over in a hotel, he says, he said after dinner, he goes, I'm going to go and have a bath. And then he, he says, I always end up watching Naked Attraction. So read into that what you mm. will. Um, I went for a nice little walk in the Lancashire Hills on Saturday morning, a big yomp up to a place called Darwin Tower, while um, Ross and Andy festered in their beds, made full use of the, the late checkout time. But um, that's about... As exciting as this trip got. Nice. Shall we talk about the football then, boys? Being as there's no there's no tales from the road, disappointingly. Um, Ipswich Town went to Wham Stadium, boys, on Saturday. We we all thought it was going to be a tough a tough place to go. It always is for town normally. 
But Stewie, you said in your post-game video, go and watch it now if you've not already, that everything we expected, tough, physical, difficult game for Ipswich Town, didn't really turn out to be the case. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if the, the whole Accrington thing we'd kind of built up in our minds. I suppose sometimes we're all guilty of this in football was kind of having a narrative around a game. And I guess what happened against Accrington two, three years ago has no real bearing the next time they, they come come to play. Um, they look a shadow of the sort of Accrington sides we've seen in recent years. They've got no Colby Bishop up front, um, no Harry Pell. Those were the two that caused Ipswich defensive problems last season, throw into the mix that a couple of their giant centre-halves are out injured at the moment. Michael Nottingham, um, the man that the big porker uh, wanted Ipswich to sign as a midfielder. Uh, he He's out injured, I think, at the moment. Um, Rich Bahagulu, he's six foot five. He's injured as well. So they made it a, a scruffy, awkward start to the game, but it never got beyond that. It was never Burton levels of under the cosh, Ipswich really having to dig in. I just thought they kind of professionally saw out this game, really. I never felt like Ipswich were under that much pressure to concede. The question was, could they step it up a gear and find a goal themselves? And of course they did. A couple of late goals and turned to the bench and, and got the breakthrough. Let's, before we get on to the goals and everything else from the game, we have to start obviously with the team because pre-match boot room, Stewie, you nailed it, first of all. You said Burgess would, would come in for Edmondson. Um, but we everyone was wrong, talking about who was going to play up top. Obviously, the, the choice was between Ladapo, who's just got off the mark, a new red-hot signing, Gasana Hadmi, and it ends up being KJ up top, Roscoe. What did you make of that when you when you saw that? Uh, yeah, I think I was surprised. Because you go, yeah, Ladapo is going to start, and he playing against a big Aquiton team, um, scoring his first goal midweek. And then, yeah, Kane Jackson on the team sheet. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Kane, Kane Jackson, formerly of Accrington. So mm. um, they will know him very well there. Um, but you know what? KJ did all right. Um, should have scored in the second half. We'll get on yeah. to that later. Um, but no, um, I think, yeah, I think a lot of town fans, I think he's worked hard. Kane Jackson, he's, when he's come off the bench this season. And I think Kieran McKenna has probably re- rewarded him for that. Um, and normally... Actually, they defend man to man, so maybe that's what Kieran McKenna wanted to do bring Kane Jackson in, use the pace against a slow Accrington defense. Um, of course, Accrington, a shadow of themselves, you know, we spoke about this heavily on Saturday. You know, no Colby Bishop, no Ross Sykes, no Harry Pell, and they just looked, yeah, as I said, a shadow of themselves. I just, you know, normally I fear Colby Bishop scoring a goal, Ross Sykes, Harry Pell booting the ball out of the stadium, but none of that. And um, we finally won at Accrington. Um, when fans can be there, of course, we won, you know, when Paul Cook was in the stand. But I know a lot of town fans are just so happy that we finally won there. But um, we've got a lot to talk about in the game, of course. Mm. Yeah, so McKenna explained after the game, Stewie, as he as he is prone to do, which is great, why he picked Caden Jackson. As Ross said there, he thought they'd go man-to-man. He thought there'd be space for Jackson to run into. Um, and it maybe proved that wasn't the case until at least later in the game where he had that chance. Did he, uh, maybe I've missed it, did he talk about why Burgess came in for Edmondson, is there any anything we don't know? Because Edmondson dropped out of the score completely, didn't he? Well, the explanation on Jackson was fulsome, as you say. The mm. idea being, as, as Ross alluded to, that Accrington go man-to-man. Um, their spare man is further up the pitch and that Jackson could uh, run the channels, exploit some space in behind, hit them on the counter-attack. They didn't do that. There wasn't that space for Jackson. And as a result, 
it was the usual graft from Caden Jackson, never stopped running, chased everybody down, but was part of that sort of scruffy, nothingy first half, never really got a chance to get in behind. Did miss a big chance in the second half. They they mm. had a, they, I mean, to compound, we talked about the players that Atkinson didn't have there. Joe Pritchard, one of their better players, went off injured at half time. The striker they brought on for him lasted about eight minutes and went off with a, with a hamstring injury. So it was all starting to go wrong for Acton. It was starting to open up for Ipswich. Jackson finally did get in behind and lacked a little bit of conviction with his shot. The goalkeeper got himself in no man's land and didn't know whether to sort of chip him, go near post, and in the end kind of just, just put it into the goalkeeper's legs. And and he came off not long after that. And we'll get on to the subs in a minute. But Burgess for Edmondson, Less of a fulsome explanation, just that Cameron Burgess is, you know, someone we trust and mm. is doing well for us and, and he's in and um, just confirmed that George Edmondson isn't an injury and um, that I've just got um, five five good centre-halves and someone has to miss out and Richard Keogh was, was picked on the bench. So um, George Edmondson not getting picked for a squad would have been absolutely unthinkable Hmm. six months to a year ago at one stage we were talking about how long can Ipswich keep hold of him and a player looked destined for, for bigger things but he hasn't made the best of starts to the season um, I think we do have to remember that he did suffer that really nasty ankle injury hmm. to, towards the back end of last season maybe just needs a little bit of time to to get up to speed I guess Burgess not only brings the physicality for this sort of game but a bit of left-footed balance as well so It'll be interesting to see how that one pans out, whether it was a horses for courses selection or whether it might be something a bit more semi-permanent going forwards. We'll see. Hmm. Let's talk about players in a minute because we have to stick with the bench because the man who won town this game, scoring one or two goals, depending who who you listen to, wasn't originally on the bench, um, Stu. (laughs) So Carl Edwards was originally on the bench and, and, and gone to the extent of actually sharing pictures of Kyle's kit all laid out for him. And then a late change and he's not on the bench and Connor Chaplin's on the bench. What happened there? Do you know? Just saying, I think it's an ad- admin error from the, who, who put, whoever put out the, uh, the the tweet, whether there was any kind of late decision on that that, that they're not admitting to, I don't know. But um, I think I said in the preview show that I'd heard that Chaplin was, o- was okay. There was no serious injury there, despite the usual Chinese whispers that, that goes around. Um they obviously felt he was only fit enough for, for the bench. and But yeah, I mean, we're talking about Edmondson not making a bench, Carl Edwards not making a bench. There's probably several others that I've, I've not remembered off the top of my head. That is the depth of squad now. Kamara, obviously, still to come into it. Um, Cameron Humphreys not in the squad. So, that you know, that that's the difference that Ipswich have got, the strength in depth th- this season. But um, yeah, and by, and by the way, Cameron Burgess was was excellent. We've uh, remiss of me not to say that. He got the nod and he was brilliant. He was Ipswich's best player. He headed away absolutely everything. Mm. Um, he was Ipswich's pick of Ipswich's players, I, I would say. So he's certainly um, certainly taken his chances this season when they've come along. Sticking with your horse analogy from the um, the, the late night transfer <laughs> deadline day podcast, did anyone give him some polos post-game? A little treat because he'd done so well back at his, his former stable. Do horses have polos today? Yeah, is that a thing? Horses, horses love polos, absolutely. Mints. I'm not sure if it's safe to give them to them. So, RSPCA, don't don't come at me. But certainly, when I was a cat a kid living in the country, we used to give horses polo mints. Absolutely bloody loved them. Anyway, someone else who loved it on Saturday was Connor Chaplin coming off the bench, Dewey. 
and they change the game. The subs, as we've seen so much this season for Ipswich Town, are a huge advantage. The boy Ladapo and the boy Chaplin come on after an hour um, and the game changes. Yeah, uh, Chaplin will, will get more of the headlines. There's more of a talking point around him, whether it's a goal or two goals. But I think the player that changed the game the most for Ipswich was Freddie Ladapo. Um Caden Jackson, I've, I've talked about, worked hard, chased down everything, didn't take the one chance when it finally came. I thought Ladapo completely changed the way Ipswich played. He gave them within a couple of minutes, less than that maybe, of coming on the pitch. Andy and I turned to each other and went, he's doing things here that Caden Jackson's not been able to do in the first hour. Just because they're different type of strikers, that's no knock mm. on Caden Jackson. But he was someone that could suddenly play with his back to goal and everything just looked a little bit more joined up for Ipswich Town. And suddenly they were able to get the sort of the two tens into the game a little bit more because Ladapo could facilitate that. He had a hand in both goals. Um, he's claiming one of them. Um, but, it, you know, it's him who, who took, I think it was a long Donassian throw in up the line that, that he um, kept alive and squared, which led to the corner, which led to the, the goal, which he claims goes in off his off his backside and he has a he has a, a role in the the second one as well with um again another throw in holds it up edge of the box pops it off to Chaplin um who who scores and kills off Accrington and that was an important second goal actually because as much as Accrington we say hadn't done much hmm. they're a team that have gone to the death multiple times this season i think they got five goals in the 90th minute or or beyond so that was an important goal just to just to make sure there was no late alamo Rossi, can you give give us any great insight? Speaking about these goals, there's, there's claims on both of them. Ladapo claims his his posterior took the first goal, and the second one, obviously, there's all sorts of people um, saying they scored it. Wes Burns officially credited with it. Did you? Are you anywhere near? Can you give us any insight? Um, before I get into the insight, I just want to bring out the Claxon set piece. Claxon boys, we scored a goal from a set piece, caused the first goal. Um, so there we go. Um, good, good. That happens all the time, mate. That's just what they do. Yeah, this season's happening. Yeah, it's happening this season a lot. Last season, not so much. Um, the thing is, it happens so far. Definitely a corner. They, it happens so fast. You know, ball yeah. comes in and a great finish from you know Connor Chaplin. Um, so I didn't really see. I couldn't really see Freddie Dapo's you know ass getting in the way and hitting it and going in. So, but then the second goal, yeah, once again a massive deflection. Um, but then I think apparently they're crediting it to the defender now, aren't they? Well, it looks to yeah. me, the angle that I've seen that I think Town shared, it looks like it comes off the defender. Yeah, 100%. I think the confusion yeah. on the day was was there with both goals. But now if you look at the, the, the two bits of footage that Ipswich have shared on Twitter yesterday, I think clears this up for me for both goals. Mm. Um, Chaplin's one. And the first goal, I think, definitely hits Freddie Ladapo. I, I always go on players' instant reactions. And you can see in that nice picture um, of Ladapo kind of w wagging his finger at Chaplin as if to say that hit me. I think it hits him hundred percent, but I don't think that's I don't think that's going to be enough of a controversy for the uh, dubious goals panel to take that one off Connor Chaplin. So despite the amount of times we talk about a, a striker struggling for goals. Mm. needing one just to go in off his backside. It's actually happened for Freddie Ladapo, but um, I don't think he'll get that one. The second goal hits the defender. It's Mitch Clark. It's their number two. It hits mm. him kind of on, on the shoulder and goes down. Um, Burns was... it. 
the weird, the first camera angle, it did look like Wes Burns, and I can see why it's given. I mean, it's it, that's just one person's decision within the stadium, the person who works for Opta, or and, and those are the stats that then kind of get shared around everywhere else. So I think um, I think Connor Chaplin will get that one um, because it, the shot's on target, I think. So as long as it's on target, um, he should get it. So I think it will be a Connor, Connor Chaplin brace. I'm waiting for the uh, dubious goal panel to uh, intervene at some point this week and uh, restore his brace. And he'll be on five for the season now, which is remarkable. Absolutely. Um, Stu, have you ever in your long history of covering football been involved in a press conference where the player calls another player to essentially force them into admitting that it was their goal? Um, if you haven't listened to it or, or heard it, go, it's on our YouTube channel. Go back and listen to it. Uh, Connor Chaplin FaceTiming Wes Burns, who initially claims it's his goal. Then Chaplin threatens to show the media recording from the dressing room. God knows what that means. Uh, and then and then Wes Burns immediately changes his tune and goes, yep, goal, definitely chappers. Um, that's, that's a first for me. I don't know about you, Stu. Yeah, I was Andy doing that interview. I was away tapping up um, Kieran McKenna's comments. What made it all the more confusing at that stage is um, we didn't think there was any confusion over the first goal. Um, we just thought that was a, a Chaplin volley, clear as day. And then I said to Kieran, who got your second? Because it's gone down as Wes Burns. And and Kieran sort of was confused and said, well, it's not Wes, but Freddie, Freddie's claiming it. And then we look back at the replay and thought, well, Ladapo's nowhere near the second goal. Then you watch it back and go, oh, okay, it's the first goal he's talking about. So it was all very confusing. But mm. um, no, I've never I've never seen that with a with a player FaceTiming someone else. As you say, God knows what this um incriminating video was <laughs> that forced uh, Wes Burns to crumble so so very quickly. But I, I just think it shows the, the great team spirit and and genuine friendship amongst some of these players. It was a nice little love you, mate, from the end of from uh, Connor Chaplin as as they hung up, they, there genuinely seems to be some some strong bonds in this dressing room, and um, you need that in any successful t- team. Just like us boys, we're all like that, aren't we? Um, Lee Evans, Connor Chapman connection, fantastic from the set pieces in reverse this time around. Roscoe, um, obviously that's great, fantastic to see. We talked about Cameron Burgess playing a, a very good game coming in in the heart of defence. Um, what else did you like about this game? Talk to me about some other players that stood out. Uh, well, really mentioned Ladapo, but yeah, I thought the substitutions changed the game pretty mm. much. Um, because yeah, first half, you know, it took took town a while to get in the game a little bit. Um, but when we did get into the game, we were creating chances. Sam Morsey, like him normal self, he had a chance to to score in the first half. Um, but of course, McKenna's got that that weaponry to uh, to use off the bench, Connor Chaplin for the Ladapo. Um, and of course, they're attacking at the away end, you know, over a thousand in the way end, aka John Watson, Harvey, Sweetwells, Prince, Harvey Davis, and, and Co., all the great town fans going to Accrington. And um, I just felt the game was there for the taking. Um, and uh, yeah, Connor Chaplin and Andy mentioned this in the video. Now he's the showman, you know, we we're saying Burson Selena could be the showman and he is the showman. But Connor Chaplin, honestly, when he's playing, I always feel he's got a goal in him. Mm. Um, um, but anyway, you said about other players that stood out. Um, uh, you mentioned Morsi. Was there any spice with Morsi? Obviously, given that it's the first time since the Ethan Hamilton Andy Holt game. No, he, yeah, I think he was somewhat looking at the director's box, but I wouldn't say throughout the whole game. I don't think um, he's he's fully focused on the, the you know the pitch action. Um, but yeah, he always he's, he's stand himself. Sam Morsi always he's stand himself. Um, 
yeah, said he could have scored in the first half. Um, he was having a big, big moan at the referee at one stage because, uh, yeah, I think there was one decision on Leif Davis where, um, you know, a, a tackle from behind on Leif Davis in the second half. And I don't think he was very happy with his teammate getting kicked. Mm. Um, but yeah, Stu, you were laughing, giggling. Did something else happen that I didn't see? No, I don't think so. We were just saying we were denied. Um, you said about yeah. the director's box. We had a big chance, Sam Morsey, in the first half where a Burns cross sort of deflected back and typical Sam Morsey late marauding run into the box. Um, this time he lifted it well over the bar and we were denied the chance to see Andy's bet come in, the celebration. Um, Did so... you, I mean, because obviously there was a very specific contrivance that he bet on um, about quarter to 11 on Thursday night, which is the uh, the Morsey eyes down from the from the porter cabin. That's a trademark, mm. by the way. Don't use that in print. Um, then staring at the director's box throughout the warm-ups and then going winning a throw-in straight from the kickoff. I assume that whole contrivance. I'll be honest, I completely forgot about that having to be the thing <laughs> from kickoff. I'll have to look back at the, the kickoff. I don't remember quite what happened. Ross, do you, do you remember what happened with the first kickoff? I don't think we won a corner. I think I just yeah. It was a throw. It was a throw in. Yeah, no, no, we didn't win a throw in either. I, I can't. I can't remember either. I think did the first, did, uh, yeah. did Leif Davis have two shots on target? No, he got one, and Andy certainly got very excited when there was. <laughs> I think there was a little far post header or something that was the goalkeeper stopped. He went, "There's, there's one." There's one, and I was teasing him, saying, "Well, oh, does that count as a shot on target?" Yeah, yeah, keeper saved it definitely. So we had a bit of a debate about that during the game, but I don't think a second came. Um, you, you mentioned to Ross about anyone else that stood out. I thought yeah. Davis had another really good game on on the left. I thought he was good. I thought a lot, there's been a lot of talk about Lee Evans. Um, we're talking a lot about him this season, how integral a role he plays in this side functioning. Um, thought they both played well, but you know, I, meant, I mentioned Burgess and... Uh, and the two subs, obviously, I thought, um, as mentioned, Ladapo changed it, but Chap Chaplin as well. Um, Tyrese John Jules wasn't, didn't have his best game as, as a number 10 so far. He's maybe as, as a young lad on loan, we're going to have to have the ups and downs with him. Mm. And um, he looked a little bit frustrated in the first half, maybe um, symptomatic of how the game was going, but his body language wasn't great at time. We were sat sort of almost pitch side at Accrington on that side of the pitch. He played as sort of the he played as the inside left, which meant Marcus Harness moved across to um, to the right side in those two number 10 positions. And he went down a few times looking for some softish fouls that didn't go his way. And when he didn't get the decisions, the, you know, it was, it was a bit of sort of uh, throwing of arms around and, you know, just getting generally a little bit, a little bit stroppy. Um, so, yeah, um, Chap when Chaplin replaced him, Ipswich went up a gear in those last 20 minutes or so, half hour. Hmm. Uh, big question, obviously. Gasana had me deadline day signing five goals already for for Burton. He came on for a minute, and I'm 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 guessing that you didn't get to see anything really from him other than Rossi. Did you see just how flat the back of his head is? This is very important. Um, what is this about? You, you're telling me you haven't listened to the deadline day podcast. This is an absolute outrage. Oh, um, I'll try and Tackerton and. Uh... And back. What, do you, what do you mean you're traveling to Accrington and back? That's the perfect time to listen to a podcast, yeah, isn't true. it? true. But then Shambles. I've got the boys in the car. It's like I'm just listening to them. <laughs> that would be weird. <laughs> <laughs> we are essentially a group of people, apart from me, who listens to everything that gets put out, that aren't interested in anything unless we're on it. Is that is that what you're saying? 
Yes. <laughs> Very good. I talk to you all day, every day, <laughs> normally. Um, I, I do listen to some back. I just haven't had a chance to listen to it. I'm sure I'll listen to it back later this week just to, you know, I know it's old, some new, new. I don't know, I wouldn't say it's old new because it's transfer deadline day. It's exciting for a couple of weeks and months. You're so. not going to listen to it. Don't it's pretend, and that's dig, fine. Dig yourself out of It's oh, not no. fine, Stu. We should be listening to everything <laughs> that we put out. It's like saying, don't bother reading stories that we write. Um, and Ross probably doesn't do that either. No, there I we go. Did you did you get any insight, Stu, importantly on the back of Hadley's head? Um, forgot to look at the back of his head. Oh. I'll be honest. I will, I will look next time. Um, I was more interested in the back of his shirt. Oh, 18, oh, yeah. Oh, Paul McCauley. Oh. Not only, not only was he spurned by Ipswich late in the window, seen another striker sworn in, take it, take his shirt. Um, that made me feel a bit sad with McCauley's move to Charlton breaking down very, very late in the day on uh, on Thursday. So, yeah, 18 for had me. So, yeah, he only came on in the 89th minute. Don Ball coming on as well. Just chuck him on in the 89th minute, get his first league minutes as well. Not bad, is um, it? Yeah. Rossi, obviously, um, you haven't listened to Deadline Day podcast, so you won't know what we thought about the signings. Um, and we haven't had a chance to speak since. So, just briefly... Gasana had me Panuche Kamara. What did you make of those? Um, first of all, I thought, oh god, I'm not gonna pronounce these players' names, but thankfully you guys voice noted me how to say it, so thank you very much. Gasana had me. Very good. Panuche Kamara. Very good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, Gasana had me. I weren't at the Burton game, so I didn't know how well he did play against us. Um, but I think a, a player with 21 years of age, potential. Um, mm. scoring scoring goals at the moment for, for a struggling Burton side. Um, he came on for a, a few minutes, of course, at, at Macriton and he was falling over a little bit, but maybe it's just him trying maybe too hard. That's what I, that's my insight. There's a few times he fell over. I think he was just being excited, but yeah. Um, and then Panucci Kamara, I like it. I like it. Um, that is a signing. I, I think I quoted, tweeted Stu's um, post on Twitter. This is sexy. This is sex because I like Panucci Kamara. I'm looking forward to seeing an action. So um, yeah, pretty happy with those two signs. I, I assumed that was a reference to to me. Um, yeah. Did you say miss, did you say something that? with sex on Twitter, Stuart? That doesn't sound like you at all. <laughs> no, I didn't. Ross, I think I think Ross is meaning that he quote tweeted my very ah, okay. boring standard Ipswich have signed Kamara. Right. And then he added. He added the sex, if you will. Oh, I see. Yeah. I'm going to say mm. I'll, I'll, the day that Stuart Watson tweets, "This is sex." I'll be, uh, <laughs> I'll be a staggered man. Are there any other notes from the game, boys? Before we move on, I want to talk about the start and and just how excited we can get about it. But anything else from the actual game, Watto? No, I don't think so. Just a, a thoroughly professional um, away win that ones that we're not probably used to to seeing Ipswich do. And we, we we've been talking at the start of this season that maybe there'll be wouldn't say a routine win. So they, had, they had, you know, they had to had to make it happen still, but it's just still a really weird feeling, just feeling quite comfortable watching Ipswich Town. You know, I felt like maybe not everyone felt this way watching it, but I honestly, like, it got towards the end of the game, and I thought game's there to be won, and they've got the players to go and win it, win it. They did. I just just feel a lot more confident and comfortable watching this this Ipswich Town team. Um, Long way to go, of course, and people will look at who they've played and who they haven't played and, and all the rest of it, but you 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 can only beat what's in front of you and, and 
and uh, beat them they have um, by and large so far. Yeah. Rossi, you're obviously already ahead of me in terms of predictions. You said they'd been at Accrington. I, I predicted a draw. Anything else to note from the game before we move on? You know, town fans are incredible all the time, but, you know, a good atmosphere getting that way. And I just felt so happy for all those town fans, you know, over a thousand. You know, normally when we go to Accrington, you know, we lose. Um, it's, it's a bogey ground. It's a long way to go. And um, I saw a lot of town fans, well, all the town fans leaving that ground happy, saying, finally, we go here and we win. And um, it was comfortable. And it's uh, right now is a lot of positive town fans um, because I know still early doors, you know, being cautious still. But we've had a terrible couple of years and we in League One. Oh, well, last three years has been terrible. So to actually start a season, playing some good football, having a very good manager in charge with Kieran McKenna. And that was the first time I really saw Kieran McKenna animated as well, really going for a big fist pump at the end. Um, of course, still very much, you know, keeping it low key still, but it was a very quick, quick one, like boom, boom, and then walked off and clapped the fans. But that um, no, was good to see. Excellent analysis. Right then, um, the start. I'm about to read some some stats, Stu, and I want you to give me your thoughts. Um, and if you say that is sex, I'll be very staggered. Um First time ever the Ipswich Town have won their first four away games. 17 points from the first seven games equals a club record. Sex. Sex. Uh, and finally, 18 clean sheets in 32 games under McKenna. That's more clean sheets than they've conceded goals. Very, very um, commodionly defence. Do, do you want another stat there that I've just, just yes. fallen upon this morning? Yes. So they've won under McKenna. The win rate is now 53%, all right? They've mm -hmm. won 17 games under him. Do you know what the aggregate scoreline is in those 17 victories? Uh, you know you don't, do you? I don't know. No, tell don't. me. Do you, want, you wanted to guess, though, didn't you? Go and do a guess. I'll have a fun. guess. Uh, so how many games they played? 32 under him? or just yeah, but This is specifically in those 17 wins. The 17 wins. So they're all wins, so you know it's going to be a, a decent yeah, aggregate. I would say... 45 8 not quite as high on the goal front 40 goals scored in those 17 wins but they've only conceded two goals what? across those 17 wins that's quite something isn't it and you know we, we were fumbling around for that stat the other week about more more goals more clean more clean sheets yeah clean sheets it's more clean sheets than goals conceded so it's 18 clean sheets under McKenna and only 17 goals conceded so um yeah we, we always said if they could start adding some goals and being a bit more clinical um that that would be a a, a recipe for success and it's it's looking that way just give us that's, that again that's, too, that's that's worth repeating so in the 17 games they've won under mckenna the combined yeah. scoreline is 40 to 2 correct wow incredible right then watson town fantastic start it's what we expected let's be honest it's what we hoped for. It's what we expected. At what point can we start to get that old tingle? Because there, are, there is a feeling around this season. And it's starting to build, Watson. And I'm, I usually feel like this anyway, optimistic. But obviously, we have to keep feet on the ground, feet on the ground, long way to go, etc. Um, but talk to me. What, what are you saying about this start and how this season is starting to feel? I've got a tingle, Mark. Yes. Ross, have you got a tingle? Oh yes, mate. Oh yes, I do. <laughs> oh no, I shouldn't have said. That. I shouldn't have asked for us. No. Um, 
yeah, quite quietly optimistic about this. It's just we keep saying it feels different. There's a bit more, mm. you know, just a bit more substance behind it now in terms of the five subs thing, in terms of the squad depth, in terms of the manager. Um, wait until this run. I've just had this little run of games coming up. Mm-hmm. I'm just having a little look at it now to make sure I get the order right. But Starts with Sheffield Wednesday, doesn't it? That's that's, that's right. The, yeah. So yeah. we've got a home double header coming up now of mm-hmm. Cambridge and Bristol Rovers Saturday, Tuesday night. I always think that those two two home games over um, four days gives you real chance to kind of mm. ignite something. I always think back to the the playoff season, and I think they did it against Wolves and Watford uh, early on in the season, and that was a moment where I went, "Yeah, something special is building here." So that's a big opportunity. This weekend, of course. And then we've got Sheffield Wednesday away, Plymouth away, Portsmouth at home. And I think um, those three games are going to tell us a, an awful lot about um, where this Ipswich Town team is at. Mm. Rossi, don't talk to me about your tingles. Talk to me about how you're feeling about the start. Of the season. It's a strange, it's one of these situations, isn't it, where we've all been, we have actually been here before. Mm. Um, Town obviously made it into October on beating under Lambert in the first season in League One where we were all getting very cocky and confident, a bit smug about it all. But even then, looking back now, you look back then, we're, we're trying to kind of justify um, reasons that it wouldn't fall apart almost. And it, it ended up doing just that. And you don't want to get too excited you, as a Town fan because we've been hurt so many times before. So you kind of hold yourself back and you're a little bit more... Um, pessimistic about things. I note, by the way, Ross, uh, when we did that predictions for September, you especially got told off for not being positive enough, which is one of these situations where you can, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. You said eight from 15. Uh, and so people are going, it's going to be 15. Stop being so negative. Um, so how, how are you feeling? Because it, it's this weird kind of middle ground, isn't it? Where you, you can see everything laid out in front of you and you're going, for so many reasons, all these boxes are ticked, everything's there that wasn't there before, on and off the pitch, and yet there's still this bit telling you in the back of your head, this is Ipswich Town. Yeah, well, that's, well, I thought that going to Accrington, I thought, you know, even though I predicted a win, I also had that back of my mind, we're Ipswich Town, we go mm. here, it's normally the first hurdle we, we we fall on, but no, it just feels different, you know, Kieran McKenna, just, every time I hear him speak, I just go, I love this guy, he's just saying all the right things, it's, it's, as Stu said as earlier as well, like this team as well, you know, they're all good friends. They're just, they're likeable. Um, and you just you just like every every player has a part to play. And uh, that's what makes it different this year. And of course, we're still going to be cautious. There'll be some who are getting carried away. They'll they'll say, which I, of course I said, I'll slap anybody if they say HMS Pistol League, you know, um, 100 points, 100 goals. Um, there's going to be hurdles. There's going to be stuff that gets in the way. Sheffield Wednesday will be the big talking point going into that one. That'll be the first big test. If we can't mm. beat them, then yeah, we go. Oh, same old Ipswich. We can't, we can't beat the teams around us. Um, but no, we're beating teams that we normally don't beat. We're playing some good football. We're winning games comfortably as well. Portland Road has been a fortress, but then four away games in a row—that is just unheard of for a town side. You know, that's, that's the first time that's ever happened in, in the club's history. Mm. Um, so yeah, it just it feels different. It just feels good. It's great doing these podcasts now because we're winning games. We're playing yeah. well. Um, but yeah, the first test will be later this month. But I said Bristol Rovers in the prediction. I've gone for a draw because I think they're just going to basically shit out us and we'll get a draw. It's going to be yeah. interesting these two home games, isn't it? Because yeah. four straight away games, you wonder whether almost playing away from home 
might be more beneficial to Ipswich, where teams mm. can't, in front of their own fans, park the bus, and there's a duty for them to give it a go, and and that enables Ipswich's quality to sort of pick teams off. At Portman Road, it might be a little bit more difficult. I know, you know, a couple of draws so far against Bolton and, and Barnsley. These two games against Cambridge and Bristol Rovers may be the first test of how, you know, we talked about lots of little progress boxes being ticked, things they didn't do last season that they're doing now. Mm. Can they find a way to, when when it's all getting a little bit frustrating at Portman Road and the, the crowd gets a bit quiet or edgy, you know, the, these two games coming up are a test. Before we jump ahead, as I already have done to the Sheffield Wednesdays and Plymouth and Portsmouth, you know, it's these next two. Um, but we go back to McKenna. In McKenna, you know you've got someone who's going to be fully focused and taking it one step at a time and all the boring football cliches that are important because they matter. Um, but I like the fact that he's saying, as you know, while we're doing all that, that boring stuff behind the scenes and staying fully focused, he's quite happy with everyone else getting carried away. Every time you talk about keeping a lid on expectation, no, I want fans to be hopeful. I want fans to be optimistic. I want hmm. fans to believe because that's the job of a football fan. Otherwise, what's the, what's the point? Um, what's the point in it all? The ones that are employed by the football club, they can they can do all the all the cliches, and everyone else can can get excited and, and feel the tingle, Mark. I don't know what I'm really bought into. Uh, there's been a, a phrase "trust the process" for quite a while, hasn't there? But that that word "process" seems to be a real buzzword in in the actual squad. Morsey's always talking about the process, and it doesn't matter what the kind of end goal is, as long as you keep doing the process. I.e., I keep making runs into the box. It doesn't. I'm not worried about scoring goals, but I will score goals if I just keep doing that and trust in that. And McKenna, I'd imagine, is very much the same. He's doing everything that he, he needs to do day to day. He's ticking things off, not worrying about where they are on the table, because if he just keeps consistent with the process, the end goal will arrive, um, which is tremendous. And I'm very much looking forward to that happening. So keep trusting the process, friends. Stewie, Cambridge United, again, going back to the big porker saying, Town should sign Michael Nottingham as a midfielder. The big pork also predicted that Cambridge United would be relegated this season. Um, Roscoe, Roscoe called them a dark horse, which they are certainly proving so, so far. Is this a dangerous game, do you reckon? And obviously we'll talk about Cambridge United in, in much more depth later on this week. But Cambridge are coming in. They've had a really good start to the season. They're, they're in the top six. But on paper, it's a Ipswich Town v Cambridge United. Yes, I know there's history there. They beat Town earlier in the year and effectively ended the playoff charge. But on, on paper, it's a game that people go, well, Town will win that, isn't it? Uh, you could look at it one or two ways. It, could it be less dangerous because they've made such a good start? So they come there, come Maybe, to the yeah. road wanting to play and that game sort of opens it up a little bit more for Ipswich and plays into Ipswich's hands. Mm. I don't know. Um, didn't, you know, two games against them last year, didn't beat them. So another opportunity to, to right some wrongs from last year. Maybe the Tuesday night game against Bristol Rovers is is more of the kind of banana skin with um, Mr. Barton coming here and under the lights creates a bit of a diff different atmosphere and and stuff like that. I mean, certainly if big if Ipswich can win on Saturday, I think there'd be huge expectation. Then, like you know, the train will roll on and yeah, we'll sweep. But people then will start skipping ahead to mm. to Sheffield Wednesday almost in their minds and um, maybe underestimating the Bristol Rovers game a little bit, but. Um, me yeah, and Rossi, intriguing these two. Me and Rossi got bad feeling about Bristol game, haven't we, Rossi? In the predictions, I, I predicted a win, but I think it's going to be a really dramatic up and down night. Um, and you, you, you predicted a draw, didn't you, for that game? Yeah, 
Draw. I um, we were saying this in the car actually on the way back. I said oh, there could be two, oh no, three or oh, four ways this game could go. Uh, we could batter them, get a you know a nice one nil win or something, a draw, or Bristol Rovers beat us, or then they could batter us. But that's not going to happen. But um, yeah. If, if I'm a fictional bookmaker here, Ross, I'm not. If if that's your <laughs> spread bet, I'm not giving you very good odds for. Um, <laughs> you... <laughs> definitely not. Definitely not. Stewie, just by way of um, segueing out of this piece into something else, me and Rossi have predicted the month of September. Um, Rossi's mm. already ahead of me. I said 10 points from 15. I said there'd be uh, a beat Cambridge United, beat Bristol Rovers narrowly at home. They'd lose at Sheffield Wednesday and then they'd win, win at Plymouth. So that gave us 10 from 15. Roscoe um, had eight from 15. I think you had them losing at Plymouth, didn't you? Drawing with, with Bristol Rovers. Uh, did you say draw at Sheffield Wednesday as well? I think you yeah, did. draw at Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah. yeah. Just how do you feel about those games, Stewie? If we were to run through those until the end of the month, if you had to predict them, <clears throat> well, I had Accrington down as a draw, didn't I? In the, yeah. in the build up to that, so I'm already behind on that front. Um, I think ten points from the five games would would be very nice. Thank you very much. Ticking along at the the two two points a game. Mm. Mark, Cambridge. If I put them down for four points for the two home games and then win one of those two games against Sheffield Wednesday and Plymouth, mm-hmm. um, what's that? That's 10 That's points, four. isn't it? Yes. That is the 10 points with the Atkinson win in there as well. So, yeah, I'll, uh, I don't know which way which way the win will come. Um whether it's Plymouth or Sheffield Wednesday. Or on Sky on. We're pl- playing Plymouth on Sky to do. Ugh. Yeah. And Sheffield Wednesday lost at home to Barnsley at the weekend, which I was surprised by. Mr. Lord. Lord on, on the score sheet. But, um, yeah, I'll go with that. Four points from the two home games and then one one win and one defeat from the other two. Not sure which way round. But that, okay. that, would, that would be 10 points for the uh, those five games in September. That will do nicely. You segued into it, Steve. So let's talk about it. Other stuff happening in League One over the weekend. As you say, Sheffield Wednesday losing at home to Barnsley was certainly a, an eye-catching result. Derby losing at home to Plymouth, having been 2-0 up, was a, was another one. Uh, Cambridge beat Lincoln City. Bolton, Charlton, 3-1 they won. Scott Fraser scoring for Charlton. Um, anything else catch your eye, boys, from looking at the weekend results? Obviously, the big one was, was Pompey beating Peterborough in the kind of game of the day. Um, Peterborough lost a couple of times now, haven't they? Yeah, I think did I had the, I had the three P's in the playoffs in our preseason prediction, didn't I? Peterborough, Portsmouth, and Plymouth have all, mm. all started quite well. Bolton, I had as a top two prediction. They're um, they're they've up been... there at the moment. Not, not, I think they're eighth are they at the moment? Mm. So they've been quite up and down, haven't they, Bolton? I think. I wondered whether the likes of Wickham and MK Dons might regress a little bit this season. So is proving the case. Um, what else happened at the weekend? I'll tell you what else happened, Stu. Your boy Admiral Musquay scored for Fleetwood. Did he? He did, yeah. Got right off the mark in his first game. For the the Admiral. Club. The Admiral, absolutely. All salute the Admiral. Um, X, to, X to beat MK Dons, didn't they? Did you say um, Rakeem? Got on as a sub, Ross. Is yeah, that right? He, he came on yeah. as a sub. He literally changed the game. He came on as a sub. Exeter scored the winning goal two minutes later. It's the dream effect, baby. It's happening. Yeah. It's happening did, down in Exeter. Did he? Did he? Did he physically 
changed the game, or was it just his kind to. of his just, just his, his presence, his being? His aura. Yeah. Just trots, everything changes when the dream trots onto a pitch. One day we'll see it at town. You you watch. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, every week there seems to be kind of um, interesting eye raising results in League One. Um, so long may that continue. Certainly, what. Burton are going down, aren't they? Burton. Yeah, Burton are in big trouble, oh, aren't they, boys? Yeah, sorry, Burton. Did, uh, actually, did, did Corey and Darba play for Burton? Um, good. Oh, no, I think he's injured, actually. I think he, oh, is he? Or, um, I don't know, did something in training or whatever. I think I remember reading, but um, yeah, don't quote me the, on that. Not in the squad. No. Right then, um, one other thing to mention by way of a news roundup, Stu, which is something you put online this morning, and it's in terms of the lone players actually speaking about Corey and Darba and the dream. Tommy Hughes. Um, has come back from his loan at Torquay. Yeah, he went on loan to Torquay in the summer, joined a couple of former Ipswich players there in Brett McGavin and Dylan Crow, who Torquay had signed. Their manager is Gary Johnson, experienced manager, um, formerly of Suffolk. Mm-hmm. Um, and Tommy has not had a great deal of game time so far. I think one start and one substitute appearance for them. They've made a bit of a a poor start in the National League. Um, and, yeah, my understanding is Ipswich have not... It's not a official recall. He's still on the books of Torquay. Might still go back there, but at the moment, with the lack of game time, he's not been on the bench for them the last couple of days. Uh, last couple of games, Ipswich feel it's better served him just being around Playford Road and, and training. Don't mm. think he'll be able to play for the under-21s. Um, while he's still officially a Torquay player. So maybe that will get resolved and he'll go back there. But for the time being, he's he's physically been recalled from Torquay in, uh, anyway. So um, last year of his contract now, someone who's missed, you know, someone who's, who's a very talented player, very versatile, missed a couple of big years through 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 injuries. Um, so, yeah, be, we'll see where he goes next. Mm. Right then, friends, that brings us towards the end of the podcast, a 45-minute tight and compact little belter for your Monday uh, afternoon consuming by the time this goes out. And any other business, boys, anything to mention? Do you know what I did this morning, boys, in terms of my advancing years? Book myself in for the winter COVID vaccination. That's right. Very important. I, I, for some reason, I'm av- it's only meant to be 50-plus, so I'm not sure what that says uh, about my, my medical records or indeed what, what's happened there. Uh, I do still have a theory that someone somewhere is a massive KOA fan. They want to make sure they protect the crown jewels, baby. Make sure I, <laughs> make sure I don't I don't succumb to COVID. Um, so whoever's, whoever's put me forward for that, fantastic. Thank you very much. Uh, what about yourself, boys? Any, any any other business, anything going on in your world? It's back to school, of course, today, Stu. Is that a, is that a celebratory day in the Watson yeah. household? L- listen, listen to this. Silence. The sound of silence. Silence the house to myself. We have uh, survived the summer holidays and um, my working environment is a little bit calmer now. Mm. Uh, Mr. Warren, your work husband is off today because it's his first, it's um, his little daughter's first day at the big school. So obviously mm, Warren, will be, Warren will be in absolute floods, in absolute bits, um, sobbing his way through his cornflakes or indeed his brunch as we speak. Um, Roscoe, any, any other business? What's going on in your world? Uh, getting a haircut tomorrow. Nice. A little fresh trim. So um Enjoy the beard and uh, no, the beard's not going. It's, it's just trim, getting trimmed. Um, we had a talk about this, didn't we, over the weekend, Ross? I said, "How much uh, money?" I've said, "I've never seen Ross clean shaven," and he said, mm. "You wouldn't want to see it. I'd look ridiculous." So then we had the. I always like to say, "How much money would it need for you to clean shaven?" 
he came up with a ridiculous figure. I immediately <laughs> talked him down and said, look, come on, if there was X grand in front of you on the table, you'd take it. And then I came up with a scenario where, and maybe maybe some generous listeners might want to club together on this one. Mm. I said where maybe someone could sponsor Ross's uh, driving escapades, you know, pay for any lessons in his test or whatnot. But, but in response for that generosity, he has to remain clean shaven. Until when was the, the day time, passes. When, when was the last time you were clean shaven, Ross? Can you remember? Uh, I think when, because when you it's fourteen and at fourteen when you get the little you know thing. And depends depends who you are. I think Mr. Warren's yeah, still true. struggling, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> um, probably when I was eighteen, I think I just did my first ever like clean shave, and mm. I went, nah, not for me. So probably since I was eighteen. So it's been a while. Harry since eighteen. But you uh, you I, claimed you wouldn't do it. Someone you said even if someone offered to pay for all of your everything to do with your driving until you pass, you still wouldn't do it. No, I just I just as I said, I just look stupid. I, I I look stupid anyway, but I look more stupid. And I think yeah, some people will be questioning who is this person? They'll be like, who, who are you? It's, it's me, Ross. It's Roscoe. Look, guys, it's me. So yeah, sorry. It's his, trade, it's his trademark. Have you have you thought in terms of going the other direction, Ross, and getting more flamboyant with your existing facial hair, inspired by the likes of Mark Steed, who's got a little Twizzler? You ever thought I might? I don't know. I might do something. I might put, I might turn this into a peak, the end of the beard, or get some Twizzlers on the end of the tash. My my barber and my friend, um, mm. she has tempted me to try to switch up hairstyles or the beard, but I'm just a simple man that just wants to just keep it. <laughs> Keep it simple. <laughs> yeah. Never, never has a truer word been spoken than than Roscoe. He's just a simple yeah. man. Also, before we wrap up, you know, we had that chat about hairstyles a few weeks back, and Ross said that he'd had the David Beckham in the mohawk. Mo- yeah. mohawk. It then dawned on us after we finished that I said, "Hang on, about how old were you in t- 2002?" Ugh. And Ross said he was like five or six, yeah. which meant that somehow you managed to persuade your your mum to let you have a full-on shaven David or, Beckham mohawk at the age of five. I think this was in the summer holidays as well. This is summer holidays, so it probably grew back by the time I went to school. I have been chasing my mum to send me a picture of. We this, need a picture. We need a picture of Roscoe with a mohawk. Can't find it. I'm sure it's somewhere. I need to just go to our house and just go through all the the photo books. I know it's in there somewhere, but um, I'll bring it out soon at some point. We need that. We need that. Uh, obviously, friends, if you're uh, in terms of keeping your own hair in trim, use the code KOA at manscaped.com. 20% off and free delivery for all your hair trimming needs. They've got ec- lots of excellent clobber on that site as well. So get stuck in there. Uh, and also follow us across all our social medias, Kings of Anglia, on YouTube, please. Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Roscoe, you, you want to say something? I was just pointing. You know, I just po- <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. just giving me the give me the gun. Excellent. Um, right then, friends, that's your that's your Monday podcast in the books. Ipswich Town are having quite the season so far, and it's very, very enjoyable to sit here and talk about it twice a week. We'll be back, of course, later on this week to build up to the Cambridge United game. Whatever you're doing, have a great start to the week, and we'll speak to you again next time. From true crime to football, Brexit to football. For more great podcasts from Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash
Arch and head to audiobeam.com slash channel slash Arch.